Life on Side B is a ministry of Posture Shift, a missiological ministry equipping church leaders and parents on LGBT inclusion and care. Learn more at PostureShift.com. Also, we want to thank all of our patrons who keep the podcast going and growing through their continued giving. If you love this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash life on side B. Now on to the episode. Hello, 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 everyone. Y'all, we are ramping up for season four, and I am here with our new co-host, Elizabeth Black. Elizabeth! Hello, hello, Josh. Hi, everyone. So excited for season four to be on the team. Yeah, it's so exciting. I have been when I first when you and I first talked about you being a co-host and then like we were waiting to revoice to make the announcement. I like was it was so hard for me to contain it. I I felt the same way. Well, it it still doesn't seem real to me and still seems very much like a dream. Like when I, I listen to podcasts, maybe every night. And when I go to my iTunes and I'm like looking at my podcast, like history or whatever, and I see life on side B comes up all the time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be on that. Like, how is this real? <laughs> it's it's super, yeah, it's exciting. And I can't believe we're already in 2022. Like, it's ready to happen. Yeah, it's it's already ramping up and all of this stuff, y'all. Like we for for everyone listening, we decided to do this kind of as like a episode zero. We did this last last season with uh, with Sarah, and we just thought we'd like get to know you a little bit better for everyone who doesn't. We, you know, we got to hear a little bit from you from this on the season finale, but um, ah, we're just so excited to have you like on Thanks. on it. Um, and I guess to start out, um, you know, we'll ask you the question we ask everyone: like, how do you identify? And can you share with us a little bit about how you've come to where you're at in your journey of sexuality and gender and everything? Sure. Yes. So I just in thinking and reflecting on the question itself, I I'm excited to like talk about my story and to share. But there's also like just total transparency, which is my MO. Mm -hmm. Like there is this feeling of like this is a big deal. Like when you put yourself out there every time it's it's like a big deal. It's like coming out over and over again. Um, So, yeah, seriously. But um, to answer your question, I identify as bisexual, um, also kind of interchange, interuse the term queer as well. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when I first came out, actually, queer was my preferred term. Uh, mm. But yeah, like, so either Was that because you one. weren't like sure, like, is that because you were still reflecting on your like bisexuality or just like as you were I, processing your life? I think it wasn't that as much. Like, I knew that I knew that I knew that I was bisexual. Um, I think what it was was, like, well, first of all, the term bisexual, I'm thankful for it, and I think it's pretty self-explanatory. However, it just comes with a load of, like, too much information and maybe some Mm. stigma that even for myself, like, I wasn't ready to carry. You know, like, when... Mm -hmm when you say you're bisexual, you're literally saying sex every time you're identifying yourself. And it just feels like a lot. 
That's true. Like I actually hadn't thought about like, yeah, it's very different from gay or straight. Like you have sexual in the word constantly. Yeah. Yeah, it feels very yeah. medical, um, and and also there when you say gay or straight or lesbian or even queer, there's like a cultural kind of there's cultural things that come to mind. There's a community yeah. that comes to mind. There's all of these like Mormon fuzzies, depending on who you are, that you know you kind of reflect on. But for bisexuality, often it kind of leaves you wanting a little bit or questioning for a lot of people we don't talk about it very often as a society um i think even within the side b community we don't talk about it so often i mean i have rarely heard there's there's no books really written from a bisexual perspective within like the christian world Mm -hmm. um i have yet to hear a message or a talk really that front lines the bisexual experience um and we just Mm -hmm. kind of always use the overarching gay kind of you know term and it loses the nuance of my experience and the experience of many others so i think you know again to just keep answering your question so yes i identify as bisexual um i and this is I've always known this about myself, but um, not something that I actually came to terms with or was able to self-identify or express to people that I love um, or anyone really until a few years back. So I'm not ashamed. I am 35 years old. Um, I'm married uh, to my husband, Aaron. I have two kids. So like I, for all intents and purposes, was like well-established in my life, like working in full-time ministry, just living that hetero Christian dream life. And, Mm. um, And then, you know, it just kind of, Re- Honestly, it was Revoice. Revoice, like, really mm-hmm. changed things for me. Um, Revoice it was 2020? F- e- was it? It was the first one that was, like, yeah, it was 2020 because we were yeah, online. Okay. Mm-hmm. All yeah, online. So, um, so, yeah, this is brand new, guys. Um, mm. But it's funny to even say it's brand new because it's brand new but also, like, total old hat. Like, this has been my whole life. But anyway, so go to Revoice, yeah. and I am listening to everyone's story, particularly Henry. Mm. And Henry resonated with me. Like, oh, that yeah. That man I'm in love with. But He is beautiful, and we love him. Oh, my gosh. Such, such a joy. So Can I just say we're so glad? Sorry. Can I just no, say no, we're so please. glad he's around Henry? We're so glad. Like, yes. after everything that happened... We're just, he's a walking miracle and we love you. Amen. Amen. No, testimony. Continue. Um, Yeah. So just listening to Henry's story and others, the whole time I'm just thinking, well, first of all, I'm there for my friend, not for me. I'm there Mm -hmm. to support my friend. And the whole time I'm hearing everyone's story, I was like, why does this sound so freaking familiar? Like, why do these Mm -hmm. testimonies, why does these stories of kind of shame and questioning and like burden of one's sexuality why does that sound so familiar and i was like i don't know doesn't matter like doesn't matter and i would just let each day and each testimony roll around until finally the last day um 
someone was sharing their story and their what how they've been involved in the movement and then just in the very end of their talk i heard the holy spirit and i don't say that often um but i sincerely hold, heard the holy spirit say elizabeth you know that i know that you know who you are and your nuance of attraction and we can go about this life the same way we've done you know, for the past 30 plus years, and you can keep this to yourself and you don't have to talk to me about it or anyone else. And that's fine. And I will love you and I will have grace for you. Or you can choose to walk through this door and trust Mm -hmm. that I'm going to be on the other side of it and trust that I can do like a beautiful thing in writing this part of your story. And I've heard the Lord offer this kind of these questions to me before and I've always cut him off before he even got to the second part of the question I was like no yeah we're keeping it quiet um but yeah but this time I just I I let the whole question be asked and then I said I want to trust I want to trust that my God is big enough for me to be transparent and honest and it's been like life-changing ever since um, yeah, it's been a beautiful experience and I'm so grateful and I feel so free and relieved, like no secrets do I hold, you know, for the most part anymore. Yeah. Like I just can stand genuine before my God and it's a beautiful thing. Ah, uh, I love that. And I just love how like your connection with God was such an integral part of that, you know, like of God calling you into that, like authenticity mm. and everything. Um, cause I think that's such a big part. And you know, like you were saying, like it, it, it seems like it's so new, but you know, it's so new for all of us. I still remember like, it's, it's crazy how many times everyone thinks that us as co-hosts were on here because we're somehow experts on this and we've gotten to figure it out. Y'all we're on here cause we have questions. We have questions that we need answered and y'all are along for the ride. So we're glad you're on here to ask questions along with us. Uh, uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. That's yeah. Watch so, our vulnerability um, in action. It's really impactful. And I'm so glad you said yes to what God said, what God oh, was man. asking you. Sometimes I still am like, did I make the right choice? <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really grateful. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Cause it, it, Hey, I'm here now. Like yeah. this wouldn't have been a mm-hmm. thing and it's opened my world to so many beautiful people including you and the rest of the co-host yeah. team. Mm-hmm. So when we were planning this episode, you and I were talking about like, okay, so what do we want to talk about? Like what are some topics that would be good to get to know you? And we've kind of already mentioned a little bit, but bisexuality we want mm. to talk about a little bit because as you've said, like this is something that gets overlooked on in conversations and culture inside B, even on this podcast, we don't, we haven't really talked about it. Um, I think we had like Anthony, uh, Ashley talked about it a little bit in her episode in her episode on coming out and maybe Anthony Esther talked about it in his episode, but it really hasn't been, Mm -hmm. but, um, like I, I've been very interested to hear just, especially cause I, I feel like many times bisexuality because it's, it's like the biggest sector of the queer space 
and it's so diverse in the thing, this thing. And I think like so many people think that if you're bisexual, your experience is the same 50, 50 attraction, exactly the same attraction to all people. But like, I don't know, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, this conversation inside B, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm so happy to like start having a conversation about it more because Yes, it, it's not happening. Um, it hasn't happened historically. And I think especially, it, I mean, in the queer community in general, it's kind of an unspoken um, experience, Yeah. Um, which I think is starting to grow. And there are people who are kind of coming out and talking about it more. But definitely within the Christian side B world and beyond, like, side a world and every other letter it's not really something we talk about and i remember growing up like i grew up in the church and i remember growing up when we would have like in youth group the month where we would talk about sex and purity and everything the only thing that was ever talked about about sexual minorities which is, that's even saying it really nicely, was like homosexuality is blasphemy and God hates homosexuals and like we need to feel sorry for them and avoid Mm -hmm. them at all costs. So it was very binary. It was very black and white. You're either on this side or you're on that side. You're straight or you're gay and that's it. So for me, you know, 14, 15 years old, sitting in these conversations, I at first didn't know where to really put myself because I felt really Mm. guilty and shamed and uncomfortable about the straight sexual identity conversations. And then I felt really shamed and uncomfortable about anything having to do with homosexuality because I was like, well, I know I'm straight. But maybe people see me sweating right now. Or can anyone Mm. hear my heart beating like it's coming out of my chest when they're talking about Mm. gay people? Because though I don't identify as gay, there is something about me that resonates with this experience. But I can't put two and two together. So Mm. it was very easy for me to grow up in the church and just maintain a heterosexual identity because there wasn't really any other option. So it wasn't until, you know, I started reading and hearing other people talk about their experiences where I was like, oh, there are people who are attracted to other other genders and my experience isn't unique and I don't have to choose you know, which is kind of what I always mm-hmm. thought. And I was, I even now I'm a bit jealous, I have to be honest. Like, I'm a bit jealous of you, Josh, because, like, mm-hmm. do, and I'm curious, did you ever feel like you had to choose? Maybe you did. Like, did you ever feel like you had to choose? Like, I'm either, I need to choose being straight or choose to be gay. Um, Like, because of, like, going through ex-gay stuff, I know I, like, Mm. went through a period of trying to be straight and definitely felt that. But I feel, like, different than the experience of multiple other people that went through conversion therapy, Mm. um, I feel like I 
I did not as much. Like I was pretty clear. I had a pl- pretty clear idea. I'm not attracted to girls. Um, I tried to force it a few times. Like there was a few girls. I'm like, I think I could have a crush on her. I think I could do it. I think I can. I think, I, I think I can. I'm like really Thomas hard. the train. I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> but I did not make it over the hill. Um, and so there was a little bit of like that in the acceptance, but definitely not to the degree of what you're talking about. And, and I, and I think that that's really big because yeah, like, do you, do you feel like there's, I I would imagine like from what you're saying, there would also be this idea, especially if you're dealing with shame about how culture and church talks about gay people, that the moment you realize at least you're attracted to a guy, you're like, oh, well then I can't be gay. And then you just like brush it off into the background. You're like, well, at least I'm attracted to the opposite sex. So never mind. I'm not even going to deal with it. Absolutely. I mean, you just defined the past 30 plus years of my life. Like that is literally what I did. I remember, ugh, like I'm going back there. I remember being 12 and experiencing like my first real kind of intense attraction towards women. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I had a crush on one of my like sixth grade teachers and I knew I knew that's what it was and I mm-hmm. like physiologically knew that's what was going on yeah. and I was like I need to I need to talk to somebody about it so I I went to my mom and I was like mom I think I'm gay cuz that was the only option like yeah. sh- absolutely I've been attracted to guys like mm-hmm. I totally wanted a boyfriend I totally thought the kid who sat, sat behind me in my class was cute but now I'm dealing with this other thing that seemingly came out of nowhere. So, but I can't, there's no in between. I, so then I guess I'm gay. Um, and then once that wasn't well received, I was like, okay, great. So, and, and it's funny cause one of the things my mom had said to me was like, everybody feels the way that you do. So I left thinking, okay, so everyone Mm. is in this sexual, like, fluid middle space of some kind. And Christians, good Christians, choose the opposite sex. And Mm. bad people choose the same (laughs) sex. So I'm going to be a good Christian and choose the opposite sex. Mm. And anytime there's any sexual attraction to anyone of my same gender or anything else like I'm just going to suppress it and suppress it and suppress it and that's what I did so yeah it was it was on one hand it was nice I get it wasn't nice but on one hand it was nice because it allowed me to be normal you know quote Mm -hmm. unquote but on the other hand it was like a continual inner conflict and turmoil and like one moment I'm thinking I'm gay and then this guy will walk by in my high school hallway and I'm, I'm like, oh, thank God I'm straight. Moving yeah. on. And that was just like the story of my life. And even when I got married, very similarly, I remember right before I got married, I was like, thank you, Jesus. Like this just solidified it. I am straight. Like I'm about to do mm. the straightest thing anyone could ever do. I'm going to marry a man and it's, I'll never have to think about this ever again. I'll never have to question my sexuality ever again. And that was a lie from the pit of hell. (laughs) Because it, like, (laughs) 
just even on my honeymoon, I was like, wait a minute, this is still here. Like, this yeah. questions are still coming up. These attractions are still happening. So what am I to do? Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's definitely a unique situation. And like you said, Josh, there's a lot of nuance of like, for me, my attraction tends to be seasonal. <laughs> like I have seasonal oh, okay, attraction. Yeah. So, you know, like there'll be an instance or a season where I find my where I had found myself more attracted to women than than men and then so what I would do or girls I guess than boys because I was young. So then what I do is just distract myself and overcompensate by talking about mm. guys all the time. Um mm. and then the season would flip and then it was like, oh, good. I don't have to think about how I feel about women until some yeah. girl shows up um, and then I'm screwed. <laughs> so, yeah, know, it's, yeah. I have heard of other like I have had other friends who have had like I, I can't remember the term. I've heard multiple terms like cyclical, like bisexuality mm, or yeah, like, yeah. season or something. Yeah. Like where it, it just kind of ebbs and flows in different directions and stuff. And I know for some people that can be like, that can't be true, but it's because it's their experience and their yes. experience is like yes, this one yes. thing. And it's like, well, that doesn't mean that that's the experience for everyone, you know, um, in all of that. And, I would also love to have your like thoughts because kind of relate. I think another thing like misconception that people have about bisexuality that I've heard before, because I think this, there's this idea and I think like it's, it's similar to something that celibate people get caught up into this idea of like, you can only be gay if you're in a relationship, you can only be straight if you're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So then what happens when you're bi and you're only in a relationship with one person? Well, then you can't be bi unless you're like in a relationship with multiple people or something. And there's this becomes this idea that like, it's only real if you're pursuing a relationship. Yes. And then once you decide in a relationship, you're no longer bi or something. Yeah. Which is like, makes no sense. No, but (laughs) it is, it is such a huge common misconception and it is a strong narrative and conversation within the, broader queer community as well of Mm -hmm. like there's just a level of having to prove to other people that we are you know queer enough or that our experience is valid enough to be talked about and to be addressed and to be seen as like a part of kind of normal life um and And it's interesting because, like you mentioned earlier, bisexuals are the biggest majority of the LGBTQ population. Um, But also bisexuals tend to end up in um, opposite sex relationships more often than not. And I think that there's a lot of a lot of reasons to that. Um, I think the biggest Mm -hmm. one is like, why would you choose something harder yeah, you know, if you like can harder. Choose something easier. Yeah, if you could yeah. choose something easier, why why would you choose something harder? But, um, but anyway, I think like for me, I never, I've never been in a relationship with a girl. I, mm-hmm. you know, never pursued a relationship with a girl. Mainly, be, I think because I thought I wasn't gay. So why would I do yeah. that? Um. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where you always feel like you have to prove that you're worthy enough to be a part of the acronym. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of sad. Yeah. 
Well, and I think it's also like when we're talking about the side B conversation, I think it's also especially sad that we haven't been talking about this more with how much we talk about mixed orientation marriage. And we get into this conversation of especially highlighting people that identify as gay that are in mixed orientation marriage. But yet, like most of the people end up being by like, I think from Ashley has talked on the podcast before, like she will use the term like gay to define herself, but she's like, mm. but I understand that I am bi. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, and so I know that people use different language. And so, um, but yet like right there, we have a major example of what would proportionally be a major space where bisexual people are in the side B community that we talk about a lot. And yet we don't talk about bisexuality within that understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think that there are definitely some unique features to what a mixed orientation marriage looks like for somebody mm-hmm. who either both people are bisexual or one of yeah. them is, or maybe one's gay and one's bisexual. You know, like you know, yeah, the combinations can go on and on. <laughs> Endless. Uh, but yeah, but it is. It's like it's been hard for me because I've recently been looking for resources. For someone in my shoes who is in a, you know, committed marriage, but who experiences bisexual attraction or identifies as bisexual, because look, like, let's be frank, even when you're married to someone, your sexuality still plays a role in every aspect of your life. And I mm-hmm. I make a decision every day to choose my husband yeah. as, as I hope you know, all people who are in committed relationships do. So I need to know what that looks like for me. Um, And there aren't any resources out there like that. Like Mm -hmm. I've read some really amazing books about mixed orientation marriage and like impossible marriage. Fantastic book. Really thankful for Lori's contribution. Um, But it doesn't entirely speak to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I need to introduce you to some people. I have some people I'll connect. Oh, yay. I'm so excited. Cannot wait. Yeah. But no, I do agree with that because I think that's even been like, obviously, I've never been in a relationship with a girl, but I have been in relationships. I can also introduce you to some people. I'm just kidding. I would love that. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, No, I um, like. I think that's a common misconception, like misconception about even when like gay people, like when we talk about like gay relationships and stuff, thinking that somehow that's going to solve all of your problems. And mm. like, you're still going to be attracted to other people. Oh yeah. Like, it It's just a natural part of life. It doesn't yes. like, like we all deal with it. Like mm-hmm. we all deal with it and it does not matter how much you love the other person. You're going to see someone else and be like, dang, they're hot. Yeah. This, they're really taking my attention. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, you're going to watch a movie. You're yeah. going to turn on Netflix. I mean, yeah. And and we were just t- talking about this, Josh, you and I and Grant, about like that idea of, oh, no, now it's like, oh, now it's lost. I'm, I'm lost. Can you say what you just said again? Oh, about like just no matter how much you love the person you're in a relationship with, like Mm -hmm. you will go through periods of being attracted to other people or they're taking your attention and just being like, dang. Yes. Yes. No, I'm I was. Oh, my gosh. Is it gone again? (laughs) 
It was so good. But one thing oh. I do I do want to say, and maybe it'll come back to me, but one thing I want to share also about bisexuality that I did steal from a book, and at a later episode when I can look back and find what book it was that I'm stealing this from, I will refer to it. Okay. Um, but We'll put I, it in the notes whenever we find it. Okay, yes, please. Um, but I, I recently started reading a book uh, from a girl who's bisexual, and um, I can't say that I necessarily recommend the book um, mm. because it was a little – it was a little too, like – um, it was a little too salacious for me. She's, I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. a Christian book and she was a little bit too free spirited. Um, yeah. so there, there were aspects that I didn't really relate to, but something that really resonated was she talked about one of the things that she believes that the bisexual community can really bring to this discussion and bring to the broader queer community is this idea that we really understand Uh, fluidity and we Mm. really understand what it looks like to not see things in such like stark stark binaries Um, and I was like oh my gosh this is so true and it made me kind of think about it from a spiritual perspective and I was like yes because for me I didn't really have at least now don't really have a hard time reconciling my faith and my experience of sexual attraction Mm -hmm. because I know what it's like to be attracted to multiple genders and for things to change and for things to flow in that way. So it doesn't seem mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to think it's either my sexuality or Jesus, and I have to pick one. Like I don't pick one. That's mm. that's not what I do. I don't pick one. I love um, it. And, and I'm like I'm half African American. I'm half Mexican American. So and I've for the past twelve plus years been involved in Jewish ministry as somebody who's not Jewish. So I am. My whole life has been defined by this kind of middle space mm. and this fluidity of culture and identity. And appreciation of things both that I can identify internally and then appreciation for other people's experience. And it's allowed me, I think, spiritually to have grace for people, um, thankfully, not always. Yeah. But but also it's given me this experience to see the world in, yeah. in not so black and white and binary terms. I love that. I love that. I'm so excited to talk more about like this and bring in more like I I really want as we go forward in in life on side B to be able to talk more about so many experiences of our community. Like we've said, we're going to talk more about the ace experience. I even want us to be able to bring in like the pan experience, pansexual experience. Yes. Yeah. And and all of that. And, you know, for any listeners, I know like in the past year, we've gotten a lot more like straight listeners. We love you all. Um, if any of the terms I'm saying. Welcome, welcome. Be, yeah, welcome. We love you. Um, I was you forever. Good, so yeah, beware. Don't to to listen too more. hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just kidding. Good time to learn some new important um, mm. terminology of members of our, our community. Um, but we want to I want to take some time to yeah. talk about kaleidoscope yes and what yes you're doing. awesome oh okay so you have started a ministry a much needed ministry and i have loved to watch it grow 
and everything you're doing. So I guess, can you tell us a little bit about Kaleidoscope and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, and it is, it, it is exciting. So um, about, crazy to say, about nine months ago, um, myself and Meg Botts, who's been on the show yes the og of life on side b she was the first interview oh my gosh not surprised meg is Uh fantastic so meg has been like in this world forever and like been in ministry and the side b space for a while and she came to me actually it was like around this time last year with the idea of what do you think about starting something with me where we can kind of broaden the conversation a little bit more about um, church inclusion, about training and education as it relates to churches. Because like we thankfully have a mix of churches right now where there's a lot of churches who are still kind of on the first round of these conversations about what it looks like to... Um, get to know the queer community. What does it look yeah. like to befriend an LGBTQ person? Is that okay? It does it. Am I condoning something by even being in relationship with someone? Um, and I think I'm so thankful for the ministries who have spoken to those people and had those conversations. They're so needed. Um, And it's, I think they've paved the way for what is happening now in a lot of churches where there are people who have really embraced this community and said, yes, we we want to acknowledge the image of God in our Mm -hmm. queer folks, in our queer family. We want we do acknowledge that there are gay people in our pews. Um, So now what? Um, So that's Mm -hmm. kind of what. Meg really wanted to see, and I said, Meg, I love this. I am there for it. I want to do this with you. Um, I just need you to promise me that we can also add an element of evangelism and mission to the work. Mm, yes. Um, and and it's so it's like such a great marriage between the two of us because Meg really comes with a lot of passion for the church. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've come from background of sharing the gospel with people and building relationship with people who haven't been in the church for a long time or have never stepped foot in a church. And, you know, just looking through what missions organizations are doing today, again, lots of great stuff, but there's no organization that is specifically focused on evangelizing and bringing the gospel to the queer community so that's Mm -hmm. that's what we're doing we're training the next generation of churches who want to be missional um and then we're also just becoming the front lines of mission towards lgbtq people uh, primarily in new york city but also we've been like branching out and doing work you know all over the country So it's been, yeah, it's been such an exciting thing to see something that was just an idea this time last year turn into, like, a movement in just a couple of months. It just flourished, and I love it. And it's been really cool to see. Yeah, I I, I have loved watching you guys just build this 
and love you and Megs so, so much. And I, and I've loved, as you said, that you have the church training side and the evangelism side and even being able to like, in many ways, like connect the, the sexuality and gender conversation as well as just like the race conversation and being mm, able to just yes, yes. work into all of these fears together. Cause it's so important just as we're, we're talking in this of the, um, of the very like broad, as you said, broadening, mm. broadening this conversation yeah. and what you all are doing. I've loved it. Thanks so Josh. And well, and I would be totally remiss if I didn't mention what you just said, which is totally true is that we're also acknowledging that the queer experience is not, not just like the white queer mm-hmm. experience, which, yeah. you know, again, we have to start somewhere. Um, and yeah. that's normally where the conversation starts, but we want to bring again, more nuance to it and say, what about the black, you know, 15 year old guy? What does it look like for him to come out? What does it look mm-hmm. like for him to reconcile his faith? Um, you know, the Asian 35 year old who, you know, we have one friend who's in our Bible study who grew up, um, Shinto, I believe it is. Um, he's Japanese. So this is the first time he's been in a Bible study. He just shared Mm. with us a few weeks ago. He was like, guys, I have an announcement to make. I prayed for the first time to God. Like Mm. it was this, I I know it was amazing. And I just think like his story is so unique and I don't want to slap a label on it and say, well, you know, it's like everybody else's. No, like he's coming from a a different cultural and religious space that we really want to like bring into the conversation as well. Yeah. And allowing to be able to acknowledge that and be able to make space for that. I think it's just so, so beautiful. And y'all, I'm just saying Kaleidoscope rocked it at Revoice with the merch. Oh, you even have one of the shirts on now. I love it. I do. I think I wear a Kaleidoscope thing like at least once a week and we have we have new shirts and new bags coming out so ah, keep an eye on our website check it out. yes yes <laughs> check it out i love it well and and you know it's connected to what you were talking about there um but one of the other topics that we've we were talking about and we've talked about maybe doing an episode on this but mm-hmm. sharing your faith as a side b person yes 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 um because and i love that we're talking about this because i i sharing the gospel is such a passion of mine, you know, coming from a denomination of missions and stuff. Mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. and, and I think like so many times we don't, we get so nervous in like queer spaces to do it or how to do it because it's messy and it's different and all of this. And then we just don't want to do it. Um, but it's like, God, the gospel's real and the gospel's there. Yes. So like, I'd love to, yeah. What, so what do you think? Like, how has, how has this been a process for you to learn about sharing your faith as a side B person, especially. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's so true. It is a very intimidating thing. And Megan, I were just talking to a pastor of a church in DC about this the other day. And he was saying like, but isn't it scary because don't you think people are going to judge you for your, for your faith or for your conviction as it relates to your sexual orientation or, you know, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And I was like, To be honest, yes. Like, I am afraid all the time. (laughs) Like, every time I, 
I'm at an outreach every time we go out into the public as kaleidoscope and we're interacting with people or every time I go to a gay bar and I make a new friend I am always afraid that it's gonna get messy and ugly and someone's gonna hate me but isn't that always how it is like yeah it's not that unique sharing your faith is always it always comes with intimidation yet two things one i've noticed that christians have asked me more questions about the intimidation than people who are not believers like i have had more difficult conversations that have ended in like tears and i don't know like anger within like the church than i have with people who are just living their lives and curious to hear like this is really like really you care enough to to make friends like to be my friend and you say that you're a christian Mm -hmm. like oh that's amazing and then you know as as different aspects of the story kind of go on we can share about our conviction as it relates to like celibacy or uh, marriage however um i think one of the i think we've all been fixated on those conversations a little bit too long like whether it be Mm -hmm. the church or the lgbtq community like the buck stops at are you affirming or not and i think we're robbing ourselves of something when we don't allow the conversation like this podcast when we don't allow the conversation to be more again nuanced or more have more depth to it than just i choose this or that then we're robbing ourselves of a more full and beautiful and vibrant experience in our identities so i don't go in with the with that like okay when do i like when do I break the news that exactly. I believe in Jesus and this is what I believe about the Bible? I don't think about it that way. I just think I just want to see someone for who they are and how God has like woven himself into their lives. And I want to bring the beauty of the gospel into the, mm-hmm. that space. And I will let the chips fall where they may. And I trust that the Holy Spirit's the one that's going to, do bring about any conviction or, you know, draw them near to him. I don't need to, I don't need to drill anything. I just need to be faithful. Absolutely. Like, yes, 100%. Because I think it's also connected to something we were talking about earlier when we were talking with Grant about, like, so many times we think the gospel is about, like, sharing the gospel Mm. and sharing our faith is about winning an argument. Yes. When yeah. when you look in the early church, when the early church was expanding the kingdom, it was about meeting people where they are and how the gospel can meet their needs in that moment. Yeah. This is why like the gospel was so like 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 attractive mm. to mm-hmm. the poor and to slaves and to women and to like the gentile believers and all of this stuff because it was giving them an avenue of meeting the things that they were most needing and you have Paul and the apostles going, yes. And this is the gospel in this moment. 
And so the more that we can be able to just, yeah, love people, know people, and being able to show the gospel for this is how the gospel is Mm. Jesus meeting you where you're at for what you're needing in the moment and not answering this one black or white litmus test of like whether or not your faith is as I think it should be. Yes, yes, yes. sharing Jesus. Like I recently had a conversation with a gay couple going out to dinner and like there was a random very abrupt moment where it was like are we going to hell josh and i was like (laughs) oh oh wow okay well this changed yeah and we talked about faith and like who's jesus and like all of that because that's where it's at and like it's about like jesus um and trying to like restructure the conversation. Cause I think mm. even when we look at Jesus and how he does many times, religious leaders would come to him with a specific question and yes. he would redirect the question to what come was on. actually important. Absolutely. And the more we can do that of, I, I think is more of where sharing the, like our faith becomes so important. Yes. You know? And he didn't like, he wasn't getting caught in their traps of the yeah. question. And I don't think I'm not saying that people who ask those hard questions are trying to trap us but he was he didn't get caught in the trap he just brought it back to how he felt the best way to answer the question was and there was there was genuine genuineness and transparency in his answer that typically met like you said met the needs of the vulnerable and the oppressed more than it met the the satisfaction of the pharisees and the scribes so Mm -hmm. yeah totally and yeah i i mean i could go on forever and i know we'll have loads of time this season to talk about it and i i guess the two things that i hope to bring in my Mm -hmm. time here is one to like be a voice for the bisexual community and also you know any of our listeners who might have questions for themselves you know who want to like process it like to be here um to process um but also to talk about like how can i empower how can we empower our folks to be beautiful evangelists and like beautiful messengers of the good news of jesus and not be ashamed not in shame like that is not how we do this thing yeah yeah oh y'all if you uh well, dang it. I think this is coming out after your guys' QCF live episode. But we're, I can't Doesn't wait. Doesn't matter. To have Go you. listen I to it again. You'll have to listen <laughs> to it when it comes out. Uh, I can't wait for your conversation on shame with Grant at QCF. Yeah. That's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to um, be fun. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited for you to join the team. This is like, I'm, I, I love our team. I love our team. We have a really good team, all of us together. A um, really great little family. Um, to finish out... We, so y'all, we're starting a new like outro question. Just as we have our intro question, we have our outro question. And I asked Elizabeth if she would be the first one to answer. Um, what would you say to your younger self? What is a message? Mm. You can pick the age. You can pick whatever. Share a little message. What would you say to your younger little queer self? Mm. Oh my gosh, I might cry. Because <laughs> um, the first thing that that just popped into my head right now is I would say, first I would say it's true. It's true. Mm -hmm. You know, like 
all the things that you questioned, all the things that you like tried to avoid, it's true and it's okay. Like, mm. it's not the death of you. It's, it doesn't mean that, um, that you'll never be loved or that you won't be understood uh, or accepted. It doesn't mean that you can't do beautiful things for God. Doesn't mean it. It just means it's true and God is good. And he has a story that you couldn't even fathom. You couldn't even pay somebody to write this story for you. Like he's got it. Um, like all you have to do little one is to just be faithful and like know it's gonna be okay. <laughs> no, there's a oh real tears. <laughs> Gosh, I don't oh. know if I'm going to get through this question at the end of every episode. Dear oh, my Lord. gosh. I know. I don't, I don't envy you, Josh. But I'm excited. I'm excited to yeah. hear what other people have to say. Absolutely. Like, mm. This is going to be a good season, y'all. Resilience. Mm. How do yes. we continue going on? Uh, thank you, Elizabeth. Thanks for agreeing to be on the co-host team. Oh, thanks for asking me and like shout out to our Lord for like bringing me here and giving me the confidence to to be a part of this story again like it's great Josh I'm really excited I'm really really stoked it's gonna be a fun season yes and thanks everyone for listening y'all this this trip is about to start be listening for our season premiere everything going on. We will talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye.